Welcome to the Connect Community Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. We're so glad to have you with us today. If you're ever in our area, come see us in person. We hope today's message inspires you and helps you live better. One of the guarantees that we have in life is that we will have opposition and we will have persecution. In fact, if you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus said that in the world you will have troubles. And then he said, if you follow me, you will most likely be reviled and persecuted for my name's sake. But if you do, do not lose heart because you are blessed. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you on my account. He's saying, don't be alarmed. It's part for the course. It's happened before. It will not, you will not be the last one. It will happen again. So today I want to help you identify and help you respond to persecution and opposition in a biblical and godly way. See, the first thing we need to face is the assumption that persecution is not supposed to happen. There's no way in the scriptures that you learn anywhere that God is going to protect you from persecution. See, sometimes we think that if we're living right, if you're living for God, that God is supposed to stop persecution, that he's supposed to to keep persecution and opposition from us. But that's not how it is. See, persecution is our part. It's our battle. It's our fight here in the world when we deal with people and evil spirits because if you live a life of faith in God a life of faith in God is a life that stands it stands against evil it's a life that stands against the works of the enemy a life that moves toward God and moves toward his plan a life of faith in God is a life that is taking ground a life that is moving forward it's a life that breaks the curses of the past It's a life that changes the way things are done. It's a life that does not conform to the world. And if you're going to live a life that is non-conforming, you are bound to upset some people. And you are bound to upset some demons. Jesus himself was not sparred for persecution. In fact, persecution began in Jesus' life most likely before he could even walk. We see in the scriptures early in Jesus' life, when Jesus was born, scripture says that according to the law, he was circumcised on the eighth day, and according to the law, at the 40th day, he was presented at the temple for when the days of purification had been done. 40 days is what the law says. He was brought to the temple to be presented. And most scholars believe that this is when the wise men came to meet Jesus, after the 40 days. You know, in this season, we see nativity scenes across uh, the country, everywhere in the world, really. Uh, And in the nativity scene, typically you see the shepherds of the field and the three uh, wise men bringing gifts. And then Jesus is on a manger with Joseph and Mary and all the animals around him. And uh, our, our 2020 mind, our 2022 mind, is a mind that thinks in pictures. So we think that that's, that's a portrait of what happened. But really, a nativity scene is a story. 
It tells the story. It doesn't mean that everything happened at the same time. It says that Jesus was born in a manger. It says that the shepherds came to worship him. It says that the wise men came to worship him. But the scripture says that uh, uh, Jesus was actually in the house and that Mary uh, was holding him, that Mary had Jesus when the wise men walked in the house. And so they came to the house where Jesus was. They walked in the house where Jesus was and they worshiped him and they brought him gifts. And when they left, this happened. We pick up on the scripture, Matthew chapter 2, verse 13 through 15 says this. Now when they had departed, talking about the three wise men, the Magi, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night, and departed to Egypt, and remained there until death of the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I call my son. I find this very interesting. Can you imagine this picture? Because Mary is, receives this impossible task to raise the Son of God, to, to not only bear and birth the Son of God, but to raise the Son of God. And now an angel of the Lord disrupts their life and say, drop everything and, and flee. If it were me, I'd be like, God, can't you just stop Herod? Am I not doing enough already? Jesus was suffering persecution at the young age of probably, it's, it happened anywhere between 40 days of age and two years of age. But think about this picture, this clash of realities that Jesus was facing. On one side, you have the power of men. Herod. One of, the, one of the kings in the Roman Empire in charge of Judea, the area where Jesus was born. And he had the power of the empire backing him. We're talking about swords, soldiers, men of, of war. The power of man, might. Who could escape the power of the most powerful army the world had seen to date? Who could escape the force and the might of the empire? So you have that on one side, coming against Jesus. And on the other side, the God of the universe, looking at mankind, looking at our problems and our issues and the things that we need to solve, the creator of the heavens, looking at sin in the world, sends a solution. See, you have to understand that government is force. And government is force to, to uh, uh, impose the law that supposedly it's a, is to keep behavior in line. So the power of the empire was to keep be people's behavior in a certain way, molded in a certain way, conformed to the, the, the way of the empire. And in a sense, this is what God is attempting to do. To help mankind live right. To help mankind toward good. But instead of the power of an army or, or forces, this is what God does. 
the creator of the heavens, sends to the world to solve this problem of sin and evil and destruction and oppression, a baby. A innocent baby who was to grow in wisdom, who was to grow in fame, who was to grow in stature, to rewrite human history, to rewrite our experience with God. God sent his, sends His Son as a perfect man. So you have this contrast of forces. And this man, while still a baby, is not only adored and worshipped by God-fearing people, but he is persecuted and reviled by those who have succumbed to evil. Herod had become a very evil emperor or governor king. He was not the emperor, but he was the king for that for that region. Do you think this was by chance? Do you think there was any chance, there would be any chance that Jesus would be able to live and breathe on this planet without persecution? No. There's no way Jesus would live in this world without opposition because there will always be opposition when you're doing something for God. There will always be opposition when you're trying to live for God. So how about you? How about your life? What kind of opposition have you faced? What kind of persecution have you faced? I want to help you understand what persecution and opposition actually is and how you might have faced it or might be facing it right now. Because how do you know if you're facing opposition? How do you know if you're facing persecution? Or if it's just a closed door? Or if it's just God saying no? How do you know if it's persecution and opposition and not consequence of something that you did? Or just a bad idea? See, first thing we need to understand is that persecution is a spiritual matter. So it needs to be discerned spiritually. See, discernment is your ability to judge whether something is God's will or not. That's discernment. That's the ability to discern. And discernment comes from wisdom. So an active relationship with God of prayer, an active relationship with God of reading the Scriptures and allowing the Word of God in your heart will help you develop discernment. But sometimes what we are facing is not opposition. Sometimes it's not persecution it's simply God closing a door it's simply God saying no this is not my best for you this is not my will for you see sometimes people are being negative they turn their backs on you a relationship falls through a deal falls through sometimes something that we really really want doesn't happen because God is saying no it's not that you're being persecuted it's just not his will for you how do you know well the first thing we look to is peace in our hearts. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 and 16 says this, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. Another translation uses the word rule. It says, let the peace of Christ be your umpire. Like in the baseball game. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell you in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and thankfulness in your 
hearts. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. See, sometimes the will of God will upset your flesh. It will upset the parts of you that are attached to ambition and they're attached to your, your, your uh, fleshly or worldly cravings. And you'll be a little annoyed. But in your spirit, in your heart of hearts, the part of you that communicates with God, you're at peace. There's a part of you, some of you might have felt this dichotomy before, where like part of you really wants it, part of you is upset that it didn't happen, but deep inside you're at peace. There's a quietness in your soul, there's an assurance in your heart that this is actually the will of God. Listen to that, because if God is saying no, it's because He knows the future. Other times, however, you can experience insults, persecutions, suffering because of something you might have done because of something that happened because um, of your actions. How do you know if it's something you did or if it's because you're doing, you did the right thing and it's persecution? How do you know if the opposition you're facing is because you made a mistake, because you sinned, or it's the enemy trying to stop the will of God in your life. Sometimes those lines are not as clear. The Bible makes it clear, though, and we can hear and learn from the Scripture. Now, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation because I want this to be really, really clear for every one of us. All right? So listen to what Peter writes to the church in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. And it's for everybody, okay? Like young, old, everybody can... can uh, connect to this. Look to what the scripture says. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer. This is what the New Living Translation says. If you suffer, however, it must not be for murder, for stealing, for making trouble, or for prying in other people's affairs. That's what meddler means. Then he says, But it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by His name. Now, see, here's, the, here's what he's saying. The kind of opposition sometimes looks the same. The kind of... of, of, uh, of Attrition sometimes looks the same. What separates is, is the cause. So this passage, he, he breaks it down. He starts with the big one, right? The big one. If you suffer, let it not be for murder. I hope every one of you has this one down. I hope uh, you got that one. Um, the next one, he gets a little bit more with everyone, right? He says, let it not be for stealing. Some of you have stole. When I was little, I used to uh, get money from my parents' purse. Confessing it here. Um, my mom might be watching, but she doesn't understand because she doesn't speak English. <laughs> so, now we had a whole coming to Jesus moment at home when I was little, but I used to do that, right? And, uh, and maybe you've, you've had moments in your life in the past or in the present, maybe it was somewhat you know, not so bad. But he's saying, hey, you, you, you're going to suffer opposition and persecution if you steal. 
And then he goes a little more to all of us. Hey, maybe it's for making trouble. Now, I know. I know you're a great person because you're in church on Sunday morning. But you've made some trouble in life. At some point, maybe not now, but when you're when you younger, in middle school, right? Why is it so quiet in here? I'm not trying to put shame on you. I'm just saying this is part of life as well. You know, sometimes you're going to make some trouble. And then he goes to the level where he's just going to say, I'm going to talk to everybody now. He says, you might have suffered some insult and some, and some opposition for prying into other people's affairs, for meddling. Can we just talk about this one for a moment? Because just think about it. We have entire platforms today, entire platforms dedicated for, for to, to prying into other people's affairs. We have popular TV shows that are entirely based on this premise. The housewives of you know where, or, or keeping up with you know who, or, you know, reality this and reality that. And, and the big brother and the little brother. And I don't even know if they have that show anymore. But gossip is very hot in our culture. So what the scripture is saying is, listen, if you give your heart to it, you're going to suffer some insult. If you give your heart to it, the time will come when you will suffer the consequences. So if you're prying, if you're meddling, if you're doing some of the harder things, you shouldn't do it. And sometimes, you know, we just need to remind ourselves. Because we're so engulfed in this other people's business that we need to remind ourselves. And just like, just, you just have to tell yourself, like, JD, just mind your own business. That's, that's one of the most spiritual prayers you can pray. God, just help me mind my own business. Just help me. And that, that'll keep you from, uh, from some of those, those problems that, that Peter's trying to warn us against here. Now, there are times, there are moments when resistance, when the opposition, when the voices that come against you, when the negativity that rises against you is because you are committed to following God. It's because you are committed to advancing His will on earth and you are committed to advancing His will in your life. You want God's plan. You want what he, want, when he, what he has for you in every area. You want God in your marriage. You want God in your career. You want God in your life. You want God's will. And so you pursue the life of God. And when you pursue the life of God, persecution will come. Because that's not something the enemy wants to see. So what do you do when opposition and persecution comes? 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19, a few, a few verses later says, So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right. I love it. I love what, what, what the, the NLT says here. In, in the version that is on the screen, it says, Entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. But I like to keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you for He will never fail you. He'll never fail you. See, growing up in Brazil, 
my family had a lot of exposure to spirituality. Um, Brazil is a very spiritual country, and there was a lot of exposure to the occult as well because uh, we've had a lot of African influence in Brazil, and with that comes that passion and openness to uh, spirituality. And that can go either way. It can, it can work if you're seeking the Lord, but it can also work if you're seeking some of the darker things. And so I grew up in a highly spiritual context. And in our block, one of our neighbors, uh, in, in our block, we, we lived in a three-story building. And one of our neighbors in our block in the back, they had a, a space for um, spiritual occult things that ceremonies that they had there and we could hear every Friday night them banging the drums and singing songs to their false gods and uh, and sometimes there'd be animal offerings and some chickens screaming and screeching and uh, it just became part of life man it was it was common and it didn't happen once or twice but several times they knew that my dad was a pastor they knew uh, that we worked for the other side right and they would try to cast spells and curses on us Often we would find things in our front door uh, that they had, you know, produced and done for us to try to, to curse us. It never worked, obviously. Um, but those are the kinds of persecutions that we faced growing up because that was the context that we lived in. At church, we helped all kinds of people, and some of them were oppressed and sometimes even possessed by demons. I'm not trying to freak you out or, or spook you, but it's just the stuff that I saw growing up. I am a mental person, right? I, things have to make sense to me, but I'm telling you what I've seen. I have seen people possessed by demons, and I've seen what happens when somebody opens their heart completely, when they go to those places and they, uh, they uh, basically place their hands and in, in their lives in the hands of the evil one. So I've seen it as a young boy. I remember this vividly. One, one man who, in the middle of our service, he just became possessed. And he started foaming at the mouth. And he came in front of the service in a space very much like this one. And he just went full speed into the wall. And he started convulsing. And, you know, we, we prayed and cast out that demon. And he came to it. And he couldn't remember what had just happened. And we knew he was you know, an evil spirit. So that's the kind of persecutions that I saw people facing growing up. I have a friend, we have a friend who ministers in India. We've, we've, uh, we've partnered with them uh, a couple years ago, and we, we've helped them, and we intend to continue to help them in the future. But he told me that he leads churches in a particular, particular area in India that's very hostile to the gospel where the gospel is not welcomed, where people actually persecute Christians. And he was telling me stories of how he's been beaten for preaching. He's been uh, kidnapped from the pulpit. Imagine us having a service right here and a group of people coming and just taking your pastor out. That's what he's faced himself. He's been held at gunpoint while preaching the gospel. So that's another kind of persecution. We've been to Africa and the Philippines, when I was young, I went to the Philippines and ministered to different areas. And Christians in all of these areas suffer perse persecutions. Now, if you were to compare what some of those people suffer to what you and me face here in Stanford, Connecticut, in, in the, 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 the land of milk and honey, you might think, oh, we have nothing to worry about. 
because we don't have that many Satanists. We don't have that many witches practicing the occult. We don't have people coming to churches to kidnap pastors, and we don't have people being arrested for preaching the gospel. We're, we're doing pretty good. We don't really suffer persecution, but you do. Because persecution is a spiritual thing. And I'm going to tell you how we suffer persecution here in America. Every culture has their stronghold. Every culture has a battlefield. And if you're living for God, you are in a battle. And there is persecution coming at you. And I'll tell you what's the persecution in America and how it happens. It happens in the mind. It happens in our minds. We are persecuted in our thoughts. See, there's no peace. We are the most prosperous nation in the world ever. By any account, in any, in any century. This is the moment where we're living where there's the most access to wealth and goods. And this is anybody. Your lifestyle, if you drive a car and you have a computer and you live in a climatized home, you live better than John, Lee, John D. Lock Rockefeller lived. Because he rode horses and he had to endure the summer without air conditioning. We have comfort. But we don't have peace. We are one of the most anxious uh, uh, nations and societies in the world. There's this incessant worry, this incessant anxiety. And you know what, what else there is? Indifference. Apathy. This sense of, eh, it's all right. The sense of like, eh, whatever, you know. It doesn't matter. It's okay. Eh. In our journey of planning a church, we've met more people wanting God to serve them, mad at God for, for not doing what they want, blaming God for their own issues, people full of themselves with hearts of stone, living miserable lives and blaming God for it. It's the persecution of our, of, our, of our culture. And I'm not saying that's you because you're here today. I'm saying that there's a spiritual stronghold in our communities that fights against our souls and hovers with this thing that the Scripture calls a spirit of heaviness. Spirit of heaviness, a, a dark cloud that just tries to rest upon the people, especially the people of God, bringing weighty things in your heart. And with that mindset, it's like I said, it's just like, oh, whatever, man. I don't know. I don't know anymore. I just don't know. And, you, and you, you live without passion. There's this spirit of evil just sucking the passion out of life, trying to lead you to live a life with no fire, no love, no good intensity. You know that, that good intensity that comes from a full life? A life that's connected to, to, to a good source. A life that's full of joy, full of purpose. A life that is intense in the right way. When, the, when you're connected to the Holy Spirit in the life of God. 
and you live with purpose and you have a reason to wake up in the morning. That's what the enemy fights against. That's our persecution in our culture. There's nothing like knowing that you are living in the center of God's will. You know you're not perfect, but man, when you live in God's perfect will, there's nothing like it. And there is a stronghold persecuting you, trying to take you away from that place in God, offering you comfort in exchange for a life with God. And some of you know what I'm talking about because you've been there. You've been in the center of God's will. You've had a taste of what it's like to live for the Lord, to live for God fully. Let me ask you, where is that in your life? Where is that passion? Where is that joy? Where is that fire? Where is that strength? You might not be demon-possessed. You might not be suffering persecution for the name of Christ like our brothers and sisters in Asia and China and other parts of the world where they're hostile to the gospel. But make no mistake about it. There's an enemy prying on your soul, trying to help you, or not help you, trying to make you live, die a slow death of heaviness. Living every day going like, ah, it's okay, I'll do it tomorrow. Ah, it's okay, just, I'll leave it for later. I believe it's time for us to stand. If you're watching and you're, you're living like that, I believe it's time for all of us to stand, to fight the good fight of faith and say, no more. Yeah, I got to tell you, you're not old. You're not done. You're not dull, you're not tired, and you're not too busy either. You can live for God. You can do the things that He has called you to do. You can live with the joy and the purpose and the, that intensity for God. Listen to what Peter says in chapter 5, verse 6 through 11. He says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time He may exalt you. Cast all of your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful, because your adversary, the devil, prowls around, roaring like a lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, listen to this, the God of all grace who has called you into his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore you, confirm you, strengthen and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. God wants to strengthen you. He wants you to get your fire back, to get your passion back. Persecution is not supposed to stop you. It can't stop you. Those thoughts of apathy and indifference, they can't stop you. Opposition can't stop you. Let me remind you, you have this one life to live. Right? I was watching the World Cup, and I'm like, man, these are world, world uh, 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 athletes, the, the best of the best. And I was thinking, why isn't the United States better? I mean, we have worldwide athletes. You know why? Because we can't have LeBron James playing basketball and soccer. 
you know? We can't have Tom Brady playing football and soccer. They can only pick one. And the same is true for you. You have one life. Today you have this day. You have one life to live, one chance to raise your family, one chance to raise your kids, one chance to serve the Lord with all that you have, to live for God with all your passion, one chance to shine your light in the world. You have this one life. You're not going to come back around. This is it. This is your one life. Are you going to let the enemy dictate your mental state? Are you going to let the, the, the roaring lion keep you living in mediocrity? Or are you going to rise, stand for God, and serve Him fully? A lot of people that think that they can fight these devils on their own. So I'm going to ask you bluntly, do you think you can fight the enemy without the power of Christ? Do you think you can stand against the forces of darkness without the power of Christ? If you do, good luck to you. I don't say it in a cheeky way, really. It hasn't been done. There's one way to overcome persecution. And we learn from scriptures and it's been exemplified throughout the millennia. And that is to fully embrace, to fully surrender, to fully give your life to Christ's redeeming love. The power of Christ's love can cast every demonic force and destroy every lie and dispel every evil thought from your life. Listen to, the, to the, what the Apostle Paul, who was a murderer, who was a meddler, who did all the things that Peter told us not to do. Listen to the, what the Apostle Paul talks about when he talks about the power of Christ in his life. He says, Romans chapter 8, verse 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? What has the power to do it? What has the power to keep you from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long, we are regarded as sheep to the slaughter. He says, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, for I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ Jesus our Lord. The love of God is powerful. The love of God is great. It's big. And it can embrace you with all of you not just your good parts your broken parts the parts that you're ashamed of the parts that you want to hide you can bring it all because his love is big and he can deliver us from this weight of heaviness in fact the prophet said that he gives us a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness and I believe that that's what we need in our Lives. That's what we need in our families. That's what we need in our culture. That's what we need in our churches. A garment of praise. What is that? Focusing on God. Lifting Him up. 
focusing on the things that he has for a spirit of heaviness. What is that? A focus on self, on what's wrong, on this mentality of like, eh, it's whatever. He wants us to let go of this spirit of heaviness and receive his love. And let me encourage you today to cling to the love and the life of Christ. That's how you overcome opposition. That's how you overcome persecution. Paul says that our battle is not against flesh, it's not against blood, but is against the principalities and spiritual forces in the air. And so many people waste their time fighting people today. Let me encourage you to just fight the good fight of faith. Stand for what's right and continue to live your life boldly embracing the love of Christ because if you do that there's no opposition in your mind or elsewhere that will keep you from God's purpose for your life and this is what we want to see we want to see you thrive we want to see you just live in strength against every power of darkness in Jesus name do you receive it this morning amen would you mind standing one more time Thank you for listening today. If you have a prayer request, a question about faith, or would like to find out more information on Connect Community, visit us at connectcommunity.org. Don't forget to subscribe and share. See you next time.